You just never know when you're going to need a... Yeah, I do. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're going to finish with that. Sewing kit number 75. Like, how many times in your life, add them up on your hands, how many times have you cracked open a sewing kit? Three through. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But you like you're overcompensating at like twelve thousand percent. Yeah, because okay, picture the scene. You're at somewhere really special and you meet someone that's yeah. really fantastic. Yeah, like the governor's ball, yeah. Cinderella scenario. That's yeah. right, exactly. Like, you know, Nigella pops a strap. And you can be the one. It's like, is there a doctor on the plane? Like, is there a hoarder at the ball? And you'd be like, right here, Nigella. Here's my Great. kit. I'm going to hire you to be my PA. There's no work and it pays a million dollars and you get to hang out with me and eat my cooking. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sewing kit. <laughs> this is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoo. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Hello team and welcome to the third episode of Totally Obsessed with Dan Taboof. It's great to have you here. Uh, Thank you to everyone who's been listening uh, to this new but slightly aging podcast. It's growing up real nice. If you want to tweet me or if you want to Instagram me or contact me on Facebook. I'm at Dan DeBoof on all of those. And uh, quite frankly, I love attention. So any message you send me about this podcast, uh, it could be things you like about it, things that you think could improve, hopefully more of the former, less of the latter, because my ego is fragile. No, uh, anything at all you want to send through about uh, the podcast to be great. I love hearing from people who have listened to it. And so does the iTunes store. All the reviews and all the star ratings, five only, please, um, are incredibly helpful, not just to my ego, but also to the life of the podcast itself. So yeah, uh, really get involved. But thank you so much for downloading and for listening. It's so much fun to have something to work on, to meet interesting people or to catch up with people I already know quite well, but find out new things about them. And uh, that's what we're doing this week. Someone I already know, but who I really learned a lot about over the course of recording the podcast was Alice Zaslavsky. Now, you might know her as um, ex-master chef. Uh, She's passionate about food. She's incredibly interesting to talk to. She was a teacher uh, back in the day, and that might explain what she's doing at the moment with her life, which is a website called phenomenom.com.au. Phenomenomenomenomenomenom. Uh, If you go there, it describes itself as a fresh approach to food literacy and nutrition education, featuring videos and PDF resources designed to slip more serves of vegetables into every classroom. But as she said it to me, it's a teacher toolbox that makes veg cool for kids. Impossible, but true. Which is incredibly interesting. She's really doing great stuff, teaching kids how to be healthy. She, however, has an unhealthy obsession, in my books at least, with hoarding. And it's always been a bit of a through line through her life as well. So we go pretty deep on that, how it relates to her immigrant upbringing, why she does it, and how different it is from me, who I I would say I'm quite the opposite. I'm more a compulsive getter-ridderer of, and who is actually right and who's wrong. I don't know if we ever cracked that in the end. But it's definitely worth a trip inside Alice's amazing brain or at the very least a trip inside her house. 
which is what I did, which meant I got to see her hoarding with my own eye and go through it and judge it, which is a lot of what this podcast involves. So here it is, Alice Aslavsky. Make sure you check out phenomenom.com.au and also jump on iTunes and give me some favorable PR and share the podcast with your friends if you like it. Or tell me. Here's Alice. What are you obsessed with? Hoarding. You emailed me that in advance. Now, is that because like you're obsessed with other people's hoarding or with your own? It's because when I told my husband that I needed to come up with a theme, he said, hoarding. <laughs> and I thought... So maybe he was like venting a little bit. Was, like, he's like, that's funny you ask, honey. <laughs> definitely that. Because I've never thought of myself as a hoarder. I am a collector. Okay, so you're expecting him to say like, oh, what are you interested in? I mean, accumulating a museum's worth of awesome <laughs> and interesting articles that can be everything is a potential conversation and instead he's like, what about the giant pile of junk that we call our life? <laughs> what about that? Yeah, you should see, you know how people on their smartphones have like five tabs open or mm. they've got like three articles that they're going to read at some point? Okay. I've got about a hundred. So and... like you live life with tabs open? I do. I like that you live life with tabs open. Please don't adopt that as a motto. <laughs> when you sent through the email and you're like, okay, I'll talk about hoarding. I don't really like to ask too much in advance and be like, you know, you know, what kind of areas or whatever. I just got the impression I was like, okay, this is going to be one where I psychoanalyze my guest. I think there's definitely, I mean, there are hoarders and there are minimalists in life. And yeah, and I'm definitely the latter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, so is Nick. Yeah, yeah, I'm like Marie Kondo... It's on the shelf. Yeah. It's in my hoard section of stuff that I will never read. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I feel like I have entered into this going, oh my God, we're so opposite. But this is your chance now to let me into your mind and explain to me why you do what you do, why it's sort of captured your interest. Um, and yeah, basically let me sort of be a tourist in your brain for the course of a podcast. Okay. So you're like the mind hunter, the mind hoarder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to step inside the shoes of a hoarder. I'm going to gonzo your brain. <laughs> um, okay, so we are here in your apartment. So I'm, I'm like getting like a first-hand view of what you're like. And sort of when I arrived, I was like, oh, this is okay. This is all right. And they're like, well, you know, um, mind the boxes because I've been packing up all the stuff because we're about to move house. Have you outgrown the place? We definitely have. Yeah. And we've, we? Uh, well, um, <laughs> okay. I'm still happy here because I know where things are. I'm like a, you know, an organized chaos desk kind of person. But yeah. Nick walks in and like oh, I can start to see. Yeah. You're making me want to vomit. Yeah. I feel like I'm ugh. Really? Yeah. See, like I, I feel anxious when I look around and there's not enough stuff on a, on a bench on a desk, on a shelf. I just feel like what's missing. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are like uh, having a, a sort of cluttered workspace is a sign that your brain is working and mm -hmm. there's, there's always sort of stuff going on. I've always thought that having a cluttered workspace is like a sign that your brain doesn't have the room to work in. That was always what my grandmother would say to me. 
And like I grew up with my grandparents living with us and so she would walk into my room and she would say, clear your room, clear your mind. But I thought that was just her way of saying clear your room. So you've been like this... Forever. And not only have I been like this, like I blame my genetics. This is in my DNA. Not only is my dad a collector, like, he, and there's an official word, ph- philologist, I think it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a liker of liking? A liker of liking. Or a studier of liking yeah. or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're an enthusiast. Yeah. Um, but also my grandfather. So my dad, that's my mum's father. Yeah. My dad probably married my mum partly for the dowry of the stamps, the coins, the notes from the Soviet Union. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's, he met this, like, woman on a date or whatever. It's like, oh, she's pretty cool. And then, like, goes back home and goes, whoa, who owns all this junk? <laughs> exactly. And he brought all of that junk here to Australia when we moved. And so you, so where did you move from? From Georgia in the former USSR. And, and when was this? In 1991 we moved. So you would have been sort of what? Six and a half, seven. Yeah, yeah. And when we moved, basically we had two crates of stuff that we could take mm-hmm. and Dad filled it with books. Books, records, coins, stamps. Yep. And cookware. Did you grow up in one of those houses that is just brimming to the walls with stuff? 100%. Okay. Every single room is just like floor-to-ceiling yeah. books. My dad is single-handedly keeping JB Hi-Fi in... <laughs> That's who's buying CDs. That's yeah. my dad, exactly. Yeah, I know, every time I walk past those shops, I'm like, what? who's still buying them? Who's I don't even have a CD player. DVDs. Like, my dad yesterday came home with, like, Season three of Arrow. Dad, you can get that on Netflix, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. I remember when I would move house because I was sort of working in radio and I'd move to a different city borderline every year. And every time the removalist would make the same joke, he'd look at my bookshelves, which take up, you know, a whole wall of the house, and he'd say, oh, you know, you can get a Kindle. (laughs) Same thing. So I kind of get it. I kind of understand that. But I get a liberating feeling from getting rid of stuff. I've still got vests that I wore when I was five. <laughs> Why? Because one day, like, you'll have a five-year-old kid or you might shrink. You might shrink. <laughs> well, that vest I was still wearing when I was, like, 20. But there's just... I'm, a, I'm super sentimental and I don't want to get rid of stuff because you just never know when you want to be, you know, triggered into a time or a memory. And I think, you know, when you talk about the psycho and the psychoanalytic aspect of collecting or of keeping things Mm. especially being someone who's come from a family that's had to move around a lot you know a a century of displacement I think there's something about holding on in that way so do you feel like I don't want to say the word trauma trauma but you know what I mean that's what it is I think it is and if you look at like migrant homes you see all of the stuff that they collect because it's like the last bastion of their past it's the only way that they can hold on. Like, okay, here's an example. I've got a book here from the... Can you see the pink one next to the Georgian feast? This one? This one? Nah, the this white. One. I know there's a lot of books that say Georgian something. But this one? Yeah, that this one? one? Yeah, that one. So right. that is my great uncle's cookbook that he wrote in 1980. Look at the publication date. This is like a Soviet Union cookbook about Jewish food. Yeah. My uncle basically was trying to get this... And my great-great-aunt was trying to get this cookbook published in the Soviet Union about Jewish food. Um, But because religion is outlawed um, as part of communism, basically the only way they could have this cookbook published is if they allowed the um, art direction to be given over to the government. 
And so they put these, yeah, these terrible anti-Semitic images through this book. And I just think that there's so much meaning that can be gleaned from every single text. You know, I think that part of it as well, I was I was thinking back to when I might have had this reinforced or exacerbated. And I had a teacher in like grade five or six that taught us to have time capsules, keep time capsules. Because, yeah. you know, you want to look at where you were, da, 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 like put together a shoebox of stuff. And so I feel like I've just got shoeboxes of stuff from every year of my life. And I'm just not ready to let go. Okay, so how often do you look at them? These days I'm looking at them more because any time that Nick comes across... Because you're pining for the olden days. What has my life become? (laughs) I'd like to think that I'm a reformed hoarder, like I'm ready to talk about it because I'm on the 12 steps. Because now Nick kind of comes along and says, do you need 12 of the same handbag? or Mm. Like... Basically, I'd get obsessed with something. So I'd say, okay, I need a tote bag. And so then I'd get like 10 different tote bags or I need a pair of boots. So then I'd get like 15 pairs of boots mm. because you never know when you might need like a chestnut boot or a walnut boot. And the same goes <laughs> for cookware. So like, you know, if you turn around yeah, and look at yeah, it, yeah. like you never know when you might need a tray that fits two chickens or one and a half chickens or like, I just, I think there's just, okay, I... I guess when I talk about it in those terms, I should probably move along in my steps. (laughs) (laughs) As you like verbalize it, like, oh my God, I I do have a problem. problem. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I can't believe I'm talking about this on a public forum. (laughs) I'm the kind of person who, if I say, for example, I've got like a pair of shoes that I like, a pair of sneakers, right? Mm -hmm. And then a month later, I buy another pair of sneakers. That old pair of sneakers now are just dirt. I couldn't imagine holding on to something and still having it because it's it's so dumb to me. Yeah, but I reckon that people will be listening in thinking that guy is really wasteful because you keep getting rid of stuff and getting new stuff. It's not like I just like, you know, toss it into the ocean like <laughs> you're killing turtles. No, I, I I donate it to the um, you know, the bins that are not bins but like you know the, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I turn it to the bin <laughs> I just incinerate everything no I like you know I, I give it away or like I'll put it in the whatsapp and be like oh hey who wants this thing or whatever mm-hmm. there's something for me that's oppressive about the build up of stuff and it just why would I have that old thing still there I wonder what that says about you though Dan DeBoof like, oh we've, yeah right? Right. okay because have you ever had issues with commitment that's just what married people jump to. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to be that married person that does that. But I think I'm great with commitment because I don't have 20 pairs of shoes on the go. I've got one pair of sneakers. Hey, the shoe is on the other foot there. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just thinking I about I wonder if might... your husband's wondering what other pairs of shoes are going around. <laughs> what are the ones you only wear on a Wednesday night when you're working late? I told you I'm reformed. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think there's something... I don't know, like, I, I am ready to let go, but mm. there are certain things, like, we're kind of, we're meeting in the middle, because mm. I think he gets rid of stuff too quickly, and okay. I think that I hold on to stuff too much. So, you know, it's about balance, isn't it? It's the yin and yang. Well, let's just start with this shelf and work our way across, okay. all right? Yeah. So this That's giant sculpture shelf. of Bambi. It's a terrible shelf. <laughs> <laughs> no, why do we podcast next to my junk shelf? This giant sculpture of Bambi. Yeah. It's a nightlight. <laughs> 
<laughs> and let me stress as well, it's not plugged in. It's not plugged into anything. So right now it's sort of night light, right? It's a night thing. First of all, how did it come into your life? What special memory of your family does that ignite inside you? Okay. And I am being sarcastic. <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask because Bambi comes from my favourite, one of my favourite shops um, in Elwood yeah. and it reminds me of the shop owner who's really sweet and... I also went through a phase where I was obsessed with forest animals, and so we now have like squirrels and um, the nightlight. It's like farthing wood in yeah, here. Farthing yeah, farthing wood, exactly. <laughs> that was very much a phase that I went through, and I just haven't gotten rid of the stuff. When was the phase? 2010. I love how you're doing the shame laugh right now, just with your head in your hands. The thing is, right, is you can tell me all you want that it connects me to a time, and it's this and it's that. It's like, no. <laughs> You could have one small little squirrel that just reminds you that once you went through this Sylvanian phase. But, like, honestly, you don't need the Bambi nightlight just sitting there. <laughs> Marie Kondo would ask you to hold that in your hands and then say, does this spark joy? And if not, then you say, Bambi, thank you for your service. And you let it go. I don't want to let it go. The Bambi's staying. Bambi's staying. It's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. All right, let's look at this shelf. What do you? What, what's something you will part with? Okay. Uh... Hmm. I'm not editing any of this out. I want to get the full length of your like. Ooh. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> this, this. I will get rid. Of A camera. <laughs> That's like that's like the only valuable thing on the shelf. No, no, this camera's really old. There's an old exercise book on the shelf, and you chose a camera. Was <laughs> this is a it's a, it's a media release from Australian Bush Superfoods, and you chose your camera? <laughs> <laughs> There's literally a book here by Marie Kondo. <laughs> and you're like, of all the things on the shelf, what do you have? Ah, the only thing with resale value. Oh, man. I'll take it. Great. I own a camera now. And, and and you were just like, actually, no, I want that camera. I do. Oh, I'm crying. I'm crying. It's true. I, okay. Oh, there's a, hair, there's a hair clip that I would get rid of. Look, you can have that. But you might need you to clip your hair. Actually, I probably should. <laughs> it's, it's really going, isn't it? It's all over the place. And the headphones don't make it any better because they just bunch all my hair up at the front. So I look a bit like Princess Leia. Just all this bunched up hair. Um, okay, Very so um, one of the things I said to you, I was like, I can't. What I might do um, to sort of get myself in the zone for talking to you about this is to um, watch an episode of one of those Hoarders TV shows. And I didn't watch any of them because all of them were, it was, it was terrifying. Like, there was a guy who was like, this guy's got 50 cats in his house and 20 dead cats in his fridge. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you not go like, oh God. Maybe that could be me one day. I don't think it's that slippery a slope. I think that I've got some control. Um, I have held on to all of the teeth. Um, like I was literally, my follow-up <laughs> question was going to be, like, you haven't, like, got a lock of hair or, okay. I've 100%. I've got my wisdom teeth that I've had pulled out um, in, like, a tooth fairy box that I got for my 12th birthday. Again, why? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't let go. It's true. I think it's really weird that you have a, a box of your own teeth in the house. There's only two. Like, I've still got two of my wisdom That's teeth. That's plural. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's it's 50% of potential, all right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that like, is weird. I'm okay. sharing a house right now with your teeth. 
Yeah. Like I, I might, as far as I know, I might be able to see them from where I am. No. Like I could have line of sight on tooth cupboard. You don't. I can tell you that. So what would persuade you to get them out? Like what if, if, if you had people over? Like as in to show people? Yeah. I don't show people. That's Do you ever on your own just go, oh, I want to have a peek at my teeth? Well, I left it in my wallet for a while and I came, oh. <laughs> I came across it and I was like, ah, that's my wisdom tooth. What do you mean? How big's your wallet? <laughs> it's a wallet. It's like a wallet Have you got like wallet. a George Costanza wallet <laughs> where if you put one more thing in, it'll explode? I used to, yeah. Oh, no. See, again, that makes me really uncomfortable. I can, I can tell you right now exactly what's in my wallet. I've got two credit cards. A learner's permit, driver's license, and I've got a Mikey card. I've also got an Officeworks printing card in there, and just knowing that is like, God, the second I get in the door when I get home, I've got to take that out of my wallet and put it in the drawer because I, I don't need to be carrying it around all the time. I used to have a pencil case for a wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and not one of those. Look, no. right of the, burger, the burger thing. Oh my God. Yeah, that was my wallet. What's in there? It's cute, isn't it? What's in there? Is it your business cards? Oh, no. Oh, no. What is it? Ambassador cards. Oh, pretty close. Yeah. I was like, what is it? A game of Uno? <laughs> Just in case? You know? Oh, you never know when you've got to play Snap. <laughs> is it come from a place of you don't want to get caught out? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like mm. emergency. I like to have everything that I might need. So like if I, let's say I go to a social event, I'll be the person that has the band-aids and, mm. the, and, the, and the little first aid kit and the little sewing kit, you know, everything. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, like a triage unit in your back pocket just in case. That's right. Have you done a lot of travelling? I have. I've done a lot of travelling. A lot of people learn how little they need when all they have is a suitcase and they get through life pretty much okay. Yeah. I I, I trekked to base camp with a backpack. Um, Base camp on Everest. Everest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was great, except I came back with, like, some rocks. <laughs> yeah, like always them. finding stuff. Always. Yeah, yeah. I got this cool rock. I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's okay. It's like a memento. Exactly. One like, of the world's highest rocks. That's right. Hotel soaps. You know those sewing kits I mentioned. I've yeah. got like forty. And that's always because you're like, I've got thirty nine at home, but I will probably use thirty nine in my life, and I don't want to get caught out. So add another to the pile. You never know is another thing that could be my motto. Yeah. Okay. You never know can always be tempered with, but probably not. <laughs> I think that sums up my kitchen pantry as yeah. well. Yeah, because I'm the sort of person that has like eight different types of salt. I don't know, in worst case scenario, Coles is a five minute walk away. So remember how I said that if I wanted a tote bag, I'd buy 10 tote bags? It's because the, the one tote bag that I really wanted was out of my price range. So I'd just like buy other ones to try and satisfy that desire. Yes, yes. Now I wait till I can buy the thing that yeah. I wanted in the first place. Yes. The good thing. So one good thing. That's, that's one way, you know, I feel like that thinking about steps, I'm that mm. way along now. Um, another good one I always find is to, if there's something I want, I sort of like save a picture of it and imagine what my life will be like with it and this sort of stuff. And then when the time comes to actually buy it, like it goes on sale, I kind of go, no, you know what? I don't really need to have that in my life. Or like sometimes I'll find like when I have bought stuff, actually having it is underwhelming. It's like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought it would be. And that's actually a psychological thing. You hear that, that whole idea of um, the idea of wanting something is actually a lot more exciting 
than the actual thing itself. That's why a lot of creative people, um, you can come up with an idea and you can go like, oh, that would be so cool. That would be a great idea for a show or that would be a great idea for you know a book or whatever. And you imagine it and it's so exciting. And then when you, you go to do it, it's like, oh. Mm. So... No, I think that you're talking about delayed gratification, which I totally understand. But I also, I get a thrill out of buying in bulk. <laughs> Not like, <laughs> so. Look, well, you've got, I, I want to say maybe 25 mangoes there. I do. Yeah. 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 Mangoes are uh, maybe a three-day shelf life. Yes. However, then what I do is I slice the flesh off and I put it into Ziploc bags and freeze it and then I make mango sorbet. So, yeah, okay. But also we have, like, a toilet paper subscription and we used to have an oyster subscription where we'd get, like, boxes of bulk oysters. I just, I don't know what it is. Ding dong. Oh, that'll be the oyster man. <laughs> I'm have my daily oyster. Oysters are really good for you on a daily... You know this. And they're vegan. Yeah, and they're vegan. Yeah, because exactly. their um, central nervous system is about as advanced as a carrot. That's right. And they clean the ocean when they live in it. It's like the opposite of cows doing emissions. Mm-hmm. So... You're harming the planet by not eating oysters. Well, I mean, honestly, I have never seen a person happier than somebody who's finally appreciating the joy of oysters, mm. especially when their subscription. Yeah, fresh. we did go down a tangent there, but yeah. So basically, <laughs> in addition to in addition to Bambi lamps and your wisdom teeth, you're also just building up piles of oysters. <laughs> we gotta get through them all. I'm shucking as fast as I can. Ding dong, more oysters. Ah. <laughs> It's an insight into your life. It truly is. Oh, man. Okay, so, you know, you've put a few cases towards me. Just Even just from the, the shelf here. Mm-hmm. The, the, the shelf help. Yeah, the cookbook of your grandfather's. Mm-hmm. Great uncle. Great the, uncle, sorry. The anti-Semitic Jewish cookbook. Yeah, let's not lean on that, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that means in Cyrillic? No, it just means Jewish kitchen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the real propaganda comes from the pictures. It's foul. So that's kind of, for me, I would look at that and I'd go, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing when, or if you're a grandparent, you will show to your grandchildren mm-hmm. and go, check out what we were doing five generations ago. That's wild. But just below it, and this is classic. Yeah. So I got this 72 pack of watercolour Derwents for my bat mitzvah. So when I was 12. So you've got 72 pencils from when you were 12. And how much watercolouring have you done? Look, not much. However... A few years ago, when colouring in came back in, I took these out of the garage and I started using them again. Okay. Yeah, but useful. Otherwise, I would have had to buy more pencils. Or just not do colouring in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that thing. It's like you can't. That was one thing that maybe worked out, and you can't use that because at the other end of the at the other end of the scale is Bambi. It's taking up as much space as twenty five books, mm. and. It's a nightlight that isn't even plugged in, and it's in a in a corner of your study. It's not even like. When was the last time it was plugged in? Oh. <laughs> um, probably about the last time that I did some coloring in, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of that thing where you want to be living the cookbook life, but you're still trapped in the Bambi life. That is so profound. Well, I, I look. I, I'm here to help. Mm. Not really. I'm just here because I like to chat. But <laughs> if someone was listening to this right now and they're looking around at their sort of uh, household and they're going, geez, maybe I've got a little bit too much stuff. If Marie Kondo has her test, right, where she says, hold it in your hands, does it spark joy, 
If not, thank you for your service. Let it go. Let it perform another duty in someone else's life. What would be your test? Mm. Okay. Um... If it could ever be of any use, ever, under any circumstance whatsoever, hold on to it for dear life. That is 100% my test. <laughs> oh, that is no! honestly my test. Like my, like, and, and I told you, I'm a like three-generation hoarder. So yeah. like my parents still have pots from Georgia. Yeah. Like 1984 pots. Okay. You know, I think you're a lost cause. I think that I am hopeful, but realistic. So you're like, I'd like to declutter, but in all truth, like... I don't have a choice. In in, in 15 minutes, the oysters are arriving, yeah. so... I, I've, I think if I'd married... Which of my 17 shucking knives will I use? I've got four. <laughs> that's like, that is, that's like, you can't use four shucking knives. You can only ever use one. Yeah. Yes, it's true. However, um, it depends on whether you want to go in from the front or the back. So that's two knives. Yep. What are the other two for? Um, Whether you want to have a nice bone handle or an ebonized wood handle. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I, I think um, the kitchen is a place where I am never going to minimise because just that's a lost cause. And how does your husband feel about this? Uh, so Nick has taken... Has he given up? <laughs> no, no, no. He's got strategies. So, for example, we've got a very small flat. And so that means that, you know, there's a limit. Especially our kitchen. It's tiny. We don't have much draw space. I mean, you've maximised what you do have. 100%. We've maximised it and then some. Um, But there's still cookware that's sitting in my parents' garage and in his parents' garage that we could at some point use. I mean, even your your living room shelves are thermomixers and (laughs) a toaster. Yeah. Is there another toaster in your kitchen or you just have the one and it's in your living room? It's an oven. We have an oven. Okay. Yeah, you can use an oven to toast bread. Then why do you need a toaster in your living room? Because it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I feel like I've I've arrived here and I've seen it from your point of view. And part of me is like, yeah, you know what? That's you, You've managed to win me over on a few things. Others, I'm still a little bit like, you do you, Alice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> good luck with that. And uh, Nick, mate, good luck to you too as well. <laughs> But um, thanks. You can um, you can shuck me some oysters. But we're probably waiting about half an hour for you to choose what knife to use. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming here and sparking joy, Dad. <laughs> totally obsessed with Dan Booth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan Booth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel. And the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kuchel.